Happy May, everyone. Spring is finally in full swing, and I personally have been taking a lot more time to soak up the amazing weather, and maybe more importantly, put my phone down and get lost in a good book. And it turns out I'm not alone in embracing life's simple pleasures around this time of year, and today's interview is a true testament to this very idea. But before we get into the conversation, hear from Michelle Tony, the co-founder of Moro Soft Goods, who also shares a couple of her go-to books when she's in need of a dose of inspiration. Here's Michelle. My name is Michelle Tony, and I'm the co-founder of Moro Soft Goods. The idea of slow content makes me think of having enough time to really sink into another world and allow my imagination to run wild. I like reading fiction, but don't often reread books with the exception of books that really serve as visual inspiration for me. Two novels about the future, Super Sad True Love Story by Gary Steingart and Brave New World by Aldous Huxley are favorites of mine. Super Sad True Love Story is funny, quirky, and prescient in a tangible way because it was written in 2010 and it's set in the near future. It paints a picture of how social media, capitalism, language, fashion, and of course romance will develop as technology becomes inextricable from who we are. Brave New World was something I first read in high school, and though it's much darker than Super Sad, it's equally colorful, and it's really made a lasting impression on me. Both of these books trigger my visual imagination. Content creation to me is visual first and foremost these days. Pinterest and Instagram in particular provide a ton of input, but after scrolling and scrolling, everything starts to look the same. It really makes me value the ability to escape and look inside my own imagination. Both of these books ignite a visual landscape for me that really helps inspire me. Thanks so much again to Michelle for sharing. And now here's my interview with Catherine Durier of Urinday. Savoring the little moments every year and every day has now been made that much simpler thanks to Catherine Durier. As the founder and CEO of Urinday, Catherine has created a truly modern homewares brand that is quickly becoming known for its tightly edited selection of elegant ceramics, flatware, and other essentials needed to set a table that you love. And with top pillars like sustainability, connection, and quality design at the forefront of the brand's mission, I've personally loved seeing Catherine and her growing team translate these values into tangible elements of a brand that's literally become a centerpiece in my own home. In fact, as I sipped on coffee out of my year-and-day mug, in daybreak pink of course, Catherine and I discussed how our past professional experiences at heritage brands like Tiffany & Co. have helped to guide her in developing year-and-day since day one. We also chatted about the importance of slow content and the steps she believes one should take to build a truly enduring brand. So without giving too much away, here's my conversation with Catherine. Having started year and day just a couple of years ago, year and day certainly occupies a good amount of my time. But um, fortunately, it marries a lot of things that I really value in life. And then I also, of course, take time outside of year and day to nourish myself in those ways as well. And I really love learning and, and exposure to new ideas and finding beauty both in the natural world and in art and architecture, and also in, in building community and in my friendships and relationships. So for me, you know, often that comes through, um, you know, travel and adventures, either alone for work or with my husband and 
Um, I'm really lucky because Urine Day has suppliers in Europe. So I've been taking a number of trips um, over to Portugal and Italy in the last couple of years. It's just a tremendous way. You know, Portugal in particular is a beautiful country with um, great history and story. And um, traveling is really where I get a lot of inspiration for our products. The other thing I just love, and, and I'm so lucky being in San Francisco at such an interesting time of great technological changes, talking about, you know, ideas of what the future is going to look like. And my husband works in technology. So he and I spend a lot of time talking about that and reading about that. And that's something that really nourishes me. And I think, you know, beyond that um, is a great way for us to be building community out here. There's so many, um, you know, interesting people inspiring to change the world. And so um, I love building community around that. And I find those ideas and, and doing that at home is something that I really value. You know, starting a company, particularly one where, you know, I design our products, um, taking time away from, you know, kind of the computer work to get inspiration, um, to be exposed to new visual ideas and um, materials ideas, you know, whether it's in nature or traveling or at a museum is just such an important way of, of feeding that side of myself and nurturing that side of myself. Um, and so that's something I really value as well. Amazing. And it seems like all of those elements from the performing arts to travel to design really come through in the product. Year and Day has such a, a strong um, brand in that sense. And it seems like even before starting the brand that you were always um, heavily immersed in the brand and community building side. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about those experiences and how they kind of helped you inform your point of view in terms of building a modern brand that is considerate of all of these wonderful things. Well, I think um, I was really lucky because I actually got my first, I had my first brand management job at while working at Tiffany um, in New York after business school. And I have long, you know, loved the Tiffany brand and what it stood for in American culture and um, in many people's hearts and minds and the rich, rich stories behind that brand, you know, from Audrey Hepburn to ha their sourcing and manufacturing, their fantastic design and designers. You know, while at Tiffany, I had the opportunity to um, immerse myself in all of the great stories of that brand. And one of the reasons I had the opportunity to do so was, um, it was this, you know, 2000, 2010 when I joined and it was this big time of change in consumer behavior spurred by social media platforms and e-commerce. And so the brand, you know, kind of wanted to make a foray into digital storytelling and content um, you know, for the first time. And I was um, part of a great team that launched our first, you know, digital storytelling initiative about Tiffany and true love and how the brand intersected with some of the most important moments in people's lives. So that experience, um, you know, embedded in me or, you know, kind of taught me how uh, how connected a brand can be to its community in a, in a digital world. And 
also taught me some of, you know, I think again, you know, as you described, the, the things I love are really part and parcel of the year and day brand. And, and I'd say that a lot of great brands and heritage brands carry some of these pillars, attention to quality and craftsmanship, um, the provenance of the product, um, the quality of the materials, the attention to design. And Tiffany is a very different brand from year and day that carries um, principles that I really value and wanted to bring over to year and day. Um, and the extensive storytelling of that brand is something that I can only dream of year and day in 175 years being talked about in the same way. But nevertheless, I, I really learned about the power of storytelling and connecting with consumers. And it was really important for me from the outset with year and day to make sure that, um, you know, from even before we launched the business, I was always thinking so um, palpably about, you know, the integrity of the products or the integrity of the design and and how we were going to be really transparent with our customers and telling those stories because I really believe that meaning and that resonance is what um, makes a great brand today, especially now that we have websites and Instagram and and all these other great tools that allow us to, um, you know, tell those stories directly. And um, my Tiffany experience really laid the groundwork for that with year and day. I can only imagine. I mean, what an amazing crash course in, in brand everything. Um, so that's great. And it's kind of a great segue into my next question, which is, you know, uh, connected editorial, my agency, and subsequently, this podcast really kind of came to life after realizing um, how crucial it is for brands to create content that has longevity, but at the other end of the, I guess, spectrum, it's done in a way um, that still maintains quality and it's consistent and, and somewhat frequently. So I think that is all culminating in what people are calling the slow content movement, which is something we're taking a big position on just as a company. And so when we talk about this phrase, slow content, um, what does that mean to you? And being the year and day is still relatively young. Do you have any plans to implement this idea within the brand's greater storytelling strategy? Um, I, I won't reveal too much about <laughs> our roadmap, um, uh, but certainly I think one of the things I love about uh, the category we're in is that we play witness to most, you know, everyday rituals that give so much meaning to our lives from your morning coffee to you know, dinner around the table. And so that is such rich ground for, for storytelling and something that we're working on um, doing in a more meaningful way. And I, I love the way that you talk about slow stories and slow content. I think um, we're in this hyper-connected, always-on world of memes and endless tweets and a really rapid news cycle. And I think it's really important as brands, as content creators, and as content consumers to be very thoughtful about where we give our time and our eyeballs in that landscape. And to me, slow content and the content that we intend to build with year and day um, is, you know, content that really will provide meaning and tangible value and resonate and, and endure in a way that it's not 
something that in two weeks somebody will forget and uh, kind of move on to the next, but something, you know, ideally they return to as a source for of inspiration or entertainment or uh, to learn something new. And so as year and day kind of forays into content um, this year, we're really taking that approach of um, uh, tangible enduring value uh, above, you know, the clickbait world. And I believe that um, consumers want that now more and more since they've had overdose of, uh, of the, the short form clickbait. I love that you're using the word enduring. I think that's so powerful and um, such a great way to kind of characterize content, um, especially in this fast paced landscape. And, you know, we're talking about endurance and sustainability. It seems that those values kind of extend to every aspect of your and Dave brand from the product to the content and so on. And so just based on your experiences so far, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned about building a sustainably driven brand? Well, I think that the reality is, is it all comes back down to your value system. And, um, you know, my objective with year and day across our brand, how we make our products, how we build our team, how we operate extending to how we make content is thinking long-term and thinking from, you know, what do we stand for and how will we reflect that back in our behaviors, you know, how we speak with our customers um, and how we, you know, speak among one another as well. And um, that always came down to making decisions from the beginning that will scale and will also endure over time. Um, so, for example, sustainability in manufacturing processes was very important to me, um, you know, from the outset of starting Year and Day's product assortment. And at the time, Year and Day uh, was a big idea in my head with potentially a small slide deck um, that I was bringing to factories while meeting with suppliers and um, learning about them, but also, frankly, pitching them on becoming our partner, which can be difficult, you know, with bigger players who have established client bases. And we were coming from um, coming from zero. But I think what um, enabled me to persist in those moments was this kind of commitment to a very specific vision and a desire to um, think about. Um, the values that were important to me and I think that are important to our customers in our products, in, in our company. And, and that helped me, you know, kind of make those cases in those moments about working with those specific supplier partners in those um, instances. And I'm really grateful that, you know, we've been able to forge great relationships with them. Um, and I think it's, you know, Starting something from scratch is really hard work, but I think it's really important if you want to consider sustainability, not to cut corners and to stay true to the vision and really have a commitment to that value the whole way through. Um, and that does allow for, um, I think, a long-lasting, um, durable brand-building experience, even if it makes things a little bit more challenging at the outset. Um, it's definitely worth it. 
Absolutely. And just based on, you know, your experience with urine day, do you have, I guess, an initial piece of advice that you would share for fellow brand builders who, you know, who may not know where to start in terms of thinking about flow content or sustainable design? Just what is the thing they need to do to get that all in motion? When you're first building out a vision for a brand or a product line, um, I think it's important to spend to give yourself the space and the oxygen at the beginning to really percolate on um, the the vision and what you want it to stand for. The idea for Year and Day actually began in many ways, uh, you know, many many years before I actually, um, you know, had the light bulb moment, as it were. But once I had the light bulb moment, I really spent a lot of time observing, thinking, marinating, tweaking the vision to ensure that it really had all of the ingredients for a lasting and sustainable brand. That was before hiring a graphic designer or, you know, finding somebody to help me, uh, you know, find our supplier partners or build our website. There was a lot of iterative thought and pen to paper around architecting the vision for the bigger business. And so my advice would be map out the vision, map out the bigger vision, because that even today um, is my consistent source of inspiration every day when I, you know, um, set out, out to do whatever the day's tasks or challenges are. And I think the reason why it's so powerful is I gave so much space, time, and oxygen to it and really had something quite concrete. So when, you know, I pressed go on on actually tangibly building things from the product to the website to the brand to fulfillment and team and all the wonderful things that make a company actually, you know, exist in the world, um, there was always something really clear in my mind that I was coming back to at decision points or inflection points. And it enabled me to go a lot more quickly um, after we were moving uh, because it was so, so strong in my mind and so clear. Yeah, amazing. And I want to know, too, just as a founder, how building this brand has, I guess, inspired you to embrace and enjoy all the pillars that you've built around it, which are intentionality and, and slow living and just you know, being in the moment, surrounded by beautiful things? Well, even before starting year and day, I've always uh, really believed in the power of my own morning ritual. Um, And I wake up before my husband and I have, you know, I make, you know, coffee or tea, breakfast. I listen to the news. I meditate. And it really sets me up for the day in a very strong way. And now I have the pleasure of doing that with my year and day products around me, which obviously makes it even more more meaningful and, and more inspiring. But I've always started my days that way. And I find that that really centers me, um, reminds me of my purpose. It allows me to... Um, kind of walk myself through the things that I need to happen in that day, but with kind of a, a bigger perspective in mind. So I've always found that to be a really grounding ritual and an important time. 
The other thing that is a newer ritual for me that I would say year and day has actually inspired me more to do, but I also um, got married last year. So a newlywed, um, you know, my husband and I are working to um, cook dinner more at home. Um, we also order delivery and put it on year and day plates, but I think the the real goal is to um, connect with one another at the table every day. Um, we occasionally go out, but we do we do eat at home a lot. And I think um, one of the things that I really want to inspire with year and day and is eating at home has a different cadence to it than eating out. Um, and it gives you more flexibility for self-expression, whether you're eating alone or with your spouse or with your roommate or with having friends over. Um, and so in any case, that moment has just become a really important bookend to my day as well. And, you know, if he's not here, I'll do it alone, still set the table and put my food on a plate and eat by myself. And it really gives me kind of the bookend to my morning ritual to kind of ground myself in the end of the day. One of the things that year and day is also inspiring me to do more is to host more. Um, and, and one of the things that I really aspire for the year and day brand to both give to me and to our customers and our community broadly um, is the confidence and comfort to do that in a much more casual way than we may see in on TV or um, kind of in uh, in certain editorial that has a lot of high expectations of of what entertaining should look like. And to me, having friends over is really about the relationships and about um, community and about letting people into your home and the intimacy and the uh, um, and the comfort and the fun and the spontaneity that can come within those moments. And so I would say that that's on my to-do list of things that I'm excited to do more of, but certainly inspired by um, you know, year and day and the products that, that we have that make it um, easier to feel confident, you know, putting, you know, delivery on a plate because at least the plate is really beautiful. And, um, and so that's, that's something I'm working towards. I feel like I would do that. So now I don't feel as guilty if I'm using my year and day in that way. At all. The point is that you should not feel guilty at all. You don't have to be a cook to be a host. And, um, I just, you know, I'm starting to learn how to cook a little bit, but, um, I've always loved home decor and, and having friends over. And, um, once I unlocked that separation of like being an excellent cook from having friends over, it completely was a game changer for me because now I can do something I love, which is host at home without, um, worrying about or having self-consciousness about, you know, the recipe or, uh, or what I'm making and, and kind of the nervousness of that. So, um, there should be no guilt in, in plate delivery and, and, and opening your doors to others. Totally. And I, I love that you, you kept kind of alluding to the fact that these rituals also, you know, apply to when you're alone and you're in the moment just with your thoughts because I genuinely believe that when we slow down um and embrace those moments and those rituals that we are giving ourselves uh not only the time but the space and the permission to to make room for some of the bigger questions that we need to be asking ourselves in in those moments so 
With that said, is there any one question that you wish people asked you more often, whether that pertains to what you're doing with year and day or just in life? Well, I mean, you cut you you touched on it actually in what in what you just said. I remember when I lived in New York when I was working for Tiffany and and I created a lot of those moments of intentionality by myself as well, setting the table um, to have a moment of self-reflection at the end of a busy day or on the weekend. And I think um, for me, you know, the question that I would want to be asked is, you know, how, how can I have confidence to be building those home rituals or to be inviting me, you know, people into my home? And I think the answer is that, you know, just start, just, just go. Um, it's such an inviting and generous gesture to invite people into your home. Um, and I think focusing on those relationships and, and that offering over the frills or, or the stress of the kind of the menu or the architecture of the table should be the primary goal. And I think that, um, as in anything, starting a company or building a new habit or, um, you know, you just have to, you have to start somewhere. And I remember when I lived in New York, I had a, a little walk up in the West village and I could really only fit, I think maybe two or three other people, um, at any one time. Um, but it was, I always just, it always just made me so happy to invite them over and have them, ha- let them have a peek into my world and host them in that way. And, um, and so I just would love to encourage um, that that behavior and anyone who might be on the fence but feeling a little bit nervous to just kind of go for it. Totally. And then once you do get those people together around a table, um, and on the flip side of my initial question, um, I'm wondering if there is one question that you hope uh, year and day customers will ask each other more of when they sit down and enjoy a meal. Um, and use your day pieces? Yeah, I think one of the questions I like to ask, or at least to kind of get to when I'm connecting with people around the table is to figure out what what people are most excited about in any given day or week or time, because we all have a lot of threads in our lives. We have work, we have romance, we have exercise, we have health, hobbies, family, and all of those narratives have highs and lows. And I think that um, there can be something happening that's outside of the checklist of questions you might ask, you know, how's work or how's your house or how's your family? Um, and it can take us time to kind of get to what the meat is of what somebody's on, what's on somebody's mind in that given moment or time. So I find that by asking people what they're most excited about, you kind of quickly get to something that really lights them up inside and kind of gets to the core of what's really making them tick in that, um, in that day, week, month, season, year. And um, I find that that, you know, is a great way to connect. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, it's, I guess, just getting back to the simple things, which can inspire so much more than you might normally think. This is all great. And there's obviously so much more that we could dig into. But for the purposes of this interview, I want to close out the conversation and ask you something that's become sort of a central kind of end question to these interviews. And that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? Well, I think it all comes down to 
um, finding a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. And I think by slowing down our relationship to content, we can really seek the content that's most satisfying to us and gives us a sense of peace um, in our everyday lives. And so, you know, there's always going to be more content out there. We've never had more of an abundance of content that's accessible to us. But by slowing down our relationship with content, um, we have the opportunity to find uh, those pieces of content that really resonate and strike a chord and give us a sense of an idea or um, an inspiration or a joke that that endures. And I think that can help us rest easy and um, go to bed at night with a sense of feeling fulfilled and wake up and begin again the next day. That was my conversation with the inspiring Catherine Durier of Urinday. As Catherine mentioned, there's a lot ahead and you can follow along with the brand story at Urinday on Instagram. There's also much more to come here on this podcast as well, and we'll be back later in the month with our next episode. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, and as always, thank you for listening to Slow Stories. We'll be back soon.